We are delighted to be joined by the Senior Vice President in Strategic Partnerships with the TMAI, Eric Weathers. Welcome to Exposit the Word, Eric. Great. It's good to be here with you, David Knight. Uh, what a privilege to be a part of your ministry and to have a conversation with you. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, thank you so much, Eric. Eric, what is the TMAI and what do you guys do? Well, TMAI stands for the Master's Academy International. Mm. Most people maybe not have ever heard of us, which would fit nicely with what John MacArthur says. He, in a staff meeting recently, said that TMAI is the world's best kept secret in world missions. And so my response is, yes, Pastor John, but we're here to change that. So your <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, conversation today with me is certainly appropriate. We're trying to change that perspective. We want to know, we want people to know who we are. So we are a, uh, a, a group that uh, we have 17 schools in many pockets of the world. They are brick and mortar schools. And we have about 2000 students. Many of those are studying to be expository preachers, which is perfect for exposit the word, right? Oh, amazing. And so you guys are linked to the Master's Seminary? We are. We're based at the, we're in the same building as the Master's Seminary in Sun Valley, California. Uh, we have a small corner of the building that they've graciously let us use. And so we're thankful for that. Yes, we uh, are, are, each one of our schools has two, is required to have two Master's Seminary graduates as part of the leadership team. So you mentioned that you guys have these physical buildings. Are there opportunities for international students to learn online as well? We do, especially especially these days with the global virus situation. <laughs> yeah. When when the mandate came down for social distancing and, and no classroom, you know, activity, uh, we were able to get every one of our schools up and uh, and on on platforms like Zoom within yeah. forty eight hours. They continued with their their coursework, and so uh, their live classes via Zoom or their in person. Um, I say we have 17 brick-and-mortar locations, but yeah. truth be told, we're really in about 70 nations around the world actively instructing and teaching as our professors go uh, across many borders to do the instructing. That's so incredible. Before we really get into things, Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, well as you said, I'm the, as far as TMEI goes, I'm the Senior Vice President of Strategic Partnerships, and so all that means is that I'm somewhat of a face of TMAI to the world, and my purpose is uh, to answer John MacArthur's statement that the world the world's best-kept secret mission. So that's my purpose, uh, is to verbalize that. So I do a lot of preaching in churches. I do a lot of um, you know seminars on, on one of my favorite topics, biblical vocation. Um, biblical vocation, because I have a 20-year background in, in the corporate world, I work for the uh, FedEx Corporation uh, in Los Angeles and Memphis, Tennessee, and in Chicago for much of my career. And uh, I was fascinated with that topic and wanted to spend, um, you know, time studying that further. So anyway, that's kind of my area of love is talking about the importance of people's work in the marketplace. And of course, helping people understand that that their work has a greater focus, and that is world missions. They People in the marketplace may not be able to go and instruct pastors how to read Greek and study Hebrew and do sound theology, but we sure need their help in terms of their expertise and, yeah. and financial ability. So that's my my world is to uh, communicate those things. Yeah. And how did you become a Christian? Oh, great question. Well, you know, the Lord introduced me to uh, to my my first understanding of the gospel. I was about seven years old. Um, 
I didn't grow up in a, in a family that went to church or, you know, spent much time, any time reading the Bible. So my parents were new to a community and they invited a babysitter to come over and, and take care of my elder brother and my sister and myself. And she very quickly um, shared the gospel with us through the book of Revelation, scared the daylights out of me as a seven-year-old. <laughs> 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 but it took until probably about 19, age of 19 and 20. I was a competitive water skier and a, and a competitive, one of my competitive friends asked me one day, if you were to stand before the Lord, die today, stand before the Lord. And, and he would ask you, why should I let you to heaven? What would you say? Well, I was the, you know, proverbial deer in the headlights. I was stunned. I had no answer. And he took me through Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and taught me that it was by grace through faith. And, well, it was a rocky road probably from there. But but over a period of time, the Lord sanctified and saved and justified. And uh, he listened to my sincere repentance of sin. And I, I could not resist his call on my life. It was a, a matter of love and pursuit to trust him that's that's really the the short version i know you've navigated two careers as well you've had a career in a secular world and you've also had this call to ministry as well how, how did you first feel that call and how did it happen you know one of my kids asked me that recently i have adult kids and they said you know how'd that happen and um and i just had to answer and i and i remember taking a bible course at a secular school in, in America, we could do that back in those days. Mm. And I remember reading First uh, Timothy 3 about the qualifications of an elder, and I wrote in the column of that Bible, Lord, give me this gift of preaching and teaching. I want to lead the world to understand your word. And so it was a very young age, probably about 19 years old, when I prayed that prayer in writing. And the Lord was gracious to allow me to, to finish up um, – a bachelor's degree in Bible and youth ministry at the Master's University in 1987. Mm. And then I did about a year at uh, the Master's Seminary. Then the Lord called me into the corporate world. And for about 20 years, I, I got to serve him in a world that most people uh, don't have a biblical um, theological background like I had. And uh, through all those years, my wife and I called it a pipe dream that I could go back to seminary. And so uh, the year 2010, I went back to the Master's Seminary and finished my MDiv in 2012. And, um, you know, I just wasn't a skilled preacher like I wanted to be. And so the Lord opened the door for me to go back and get a doctorate in expository preaching and uh, just showed me how I could combine a corporate world and a theological preaching world in the role that I'm in. And I couldn't be happier that with what the Lord has given me now. So that's that's the short story. I know you're passionate about Christians in the workplace, and you touched on that a few moments ago. When did this become a special interest, Eric? You know, it became a special interest right out of seminary when I started working for FedEx. And, and I was back in those days, and I worked for FedEx, and I was going to seminary, and I was loading aircraft cans with boxes and mm. parcels at Burbank Airport in California mm. and loading uh, helicopters that were taken off for Los Angeles. And it was at that time I found myself working alongside unbelievers uh, that I hadn't experienced for a while. I was a pastor at Grace Community Church and in, in the youth department, a youth pastor. And uh, for the first time I was exposed to the world. And I just wanted, I was looking for another man who, who could disciple me. Uh, I, I later promoted in FedEx several times, so I'm going a little faster here. <laughs> Uh, but it, there was a point in my professional career where I was looking for somebody who could really disciple me through the word, but help me 
you know, hone my craft as a professional. And there just wasn't a lot of guys out there. I, I mean, there were, I couldn't find them. And I wanted to find materials on how to function as a believer, really a sincere believer in the marketplace. And there just wasn't a whole lot. It was health, wealth, prosperity stuff. It was just, mm. you know, guys who were good businessmen, but were terrible Bible expositors. There just wasn't a lot. And, yeah. and for 20 years, I kept looking for that kind of preaching, that kind of work. And there were some good ones out there. I don't want to paint a picture like there's nothing, but it was a pretty dry lake bed, uh, if you will. And so by the time I made it into my doctorate and I found out that I could preach on that topic and do a dissertation on that topic, it was, uh, it was as though the Lord was indicating, okay, you're, you've complained enough and now it's your job. You go do it. So that's what I did. I, I, I wanted to research the passages of scripture that would, would stick with authorial intent which is the purpose of expository preaching, authorial intent, dealing with a believer in the marketplace. And so that's that's what I focused on out of those nine sermons and out of a 200-page um, dissertation. Does God care about our careers? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. You know, <laughs> this is what I want to yell from the mountaintops. He does care about our careers. In fact, you may or may not know that the first, very first recorded communication with a human, Adam, mm-hmm was man's job description yeah it's fascinating you can go back to genesis 2 and a little bit of genesis 3 and you can read about uh god giving man his job description uh, to multiply fill the earth to subdue the earth and then he breaks down exactly what he wants us to do and so i did a sermon on the genesis of work inside the garden genesis 2 and then i did a another sermon the genesis of work outside the garden in genesis 3 the only difference between Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 is that work is exponentially more difficult by the sweat of our brow as a result of our sin. Mm. How would you encourage somebody that might be listening who, who's, who's finding it hard to share the gospel and to share their faith with colleagues at work? I love the question. Um, the, the first sermon I preached on this uh, was Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Mm. And the way I start this out is you got to take the whole book of Ephesians, and I, and I do this. I, I can direct you to this sermon later. Yeah. Um, but really, the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are who we are in Christ. Chapter 4, verse 1 is uh, uh, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. That kind of addresses what Paul writes in Ephesians uh, 1, 3, excuse me, uh, yeah, 1, 3 or 1, 4, mm. where we're called by the Father. And then he says, now act like it in verse for chapter one. And then in, in chapter five, he talks about how to be filled with the spirit. And then he gives five specific ways to be filled with the spirit. And uh, those have to do with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing those to one another. There's another one. The fifth one has to do with submission, voluntary submission. And then it goes into, um, you know, husband and wife relationship, parent child relationship. And then the last one, most people don't think about, about how to be filled with the spirit is our role at work in Ephesians chapter five, excuse me, chapter six, verses five through nine. Uh, he gives specific criteria for the employee and the employer yeah. uh, to do God's will from the heart. Each one is to do God's will from the heart. I could exposit that text, but it would take me a full 50 minutes, but that's hopefully that's <laughs> enough to wet your whistle. Anyway, that's why I encourage believers is to consider that text. Yeah, so good. Should Christians feel guilty by having a really well-paid job or by being successful within their career? 
Oh my goodness. No, not at all. Uh, one of my favorite passages in the te- New Testament is a passage, you know, I would venture to guess most, most people forget the book of Third John is even in the New Testament. Yeah. But if you turn to the book of Third John, <laughs> it's the smallest book in the New Testament by word count. And, uh, and John, the apostle, writes to a man named Gaius, who's yeah. a businessman. He's yeah. not an expositor. Yeah. We don't see him as a Bible teacher, at least not in the text. But it's fascinating that John prays for him to prosper in all respects as his health prospers. Now, the health, wealth, and prosperity people, they love this passage because uh, they want it to teach that, uh, you know, we're supposed to be healthy and wealthy and all that kind of stuff. Well, Paul calls Gaius a fellow worker in the truth. And but why did he do that in verse 8? Here's why. It's because Gaius took care of missionaries that came through the town. He put them up. Uh, the passage talks about how he cared for them in a manner worthy of Christ. Uh, he fed them. He sent them on their way with financial resources. Uh, he had a reputation among the elders of the churches, probably Ephesus, mm. uh, that he was one of their partners in the ministry. And that they're, if you think about it, those who are out preaching, the, the missionaries, they are the tip of the spear. Um, if you throw the tip of a spear without the spear at an animal, you're just going to make it mad. Yeah. That's the missionary. It's the tip. But if that spear is held by by those who support missionaries financially, prayerfully, etc., uh, major work would be done for the gospel of Christ. And so those of you who labor diligently in the marketplace, my prayer is that you would see your work as a ministry, as unto the Lord, serve him faithfully. And with the resources that he's given you, stretch yourself. Be as faithful as the missionary. Be as, as, as um, dangerous as the missionary out on the front line and give in accordance with what the Lord has given you mm. to support the great work around the world. Yeah, so good. You touched on the prosperity gospel there, Eric, and we know that, unfortunately, it's so popular in there. There really could be some people listening right now that may have been involved with a prosperity uh, church or maybe even still a part of a church now. And we know that a, a, a big part of that is the pastor from the pulpit talking about the seed payment. And one of the promises often is a successful career if the Christian donates enough money into their ministry. If anybody's listening right now and they may have been sucked in by that kind of teaching and they've, they've made that payment and yet they haven't got the successful career that they were promised. Speaking to that situation, Eric, and what does the Bible say about that? Let me just, the first thing that crossed my mind when you asked that question is a good friend of mine who owns several automobile dealerships, and he's a faithful believer, and it seemed like he could give more financial resources to the Great Commission than he was even receiving an income. I I mean, Mm -hmm. he was just giving a lot. And I said to him one day, I won't say his name here, but I said to him, um, I, I said, tell me about how the Lord returns all that to you. And he says, you know what, Eric? He says, God is not a slot machine. Yeah. And what he meant by that was is he doesn't give to the Lord to get something out of it. Yeah. He gives to the Lord because it honors him. Mm-hmm. And and his business, uh, great business, very profitable, very well, uh, great reputation in his world where reputa- good reputations are hard to find. Well, he lives for Christ in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. and. And so I think it's just important to remember that we give to the Lord. We give to the ministries because it's out of the desires of our heart to reach the world for his glory. Now, I don't know if that answered the question entirely, but I hope it's encouraging. Yeah, it is, yeah. 
If somebody is listening and they're in, involved in a job or a business that they feel doesn't glorify God in regards to either the culture of the business or what they're asked to do, what advice would you give them? Well, um, Dan Dorian wrote a book called Work. Dan Dorian. Hmm. You can look that up if you're interested. Hmm. Um, and one of the things that he said in that book, I, I really appreciate. And he deals with it head on. If, if you're working for an organization or or drawing an income from uh, you know a situation where it is certainly anti-scriptural, and he uses um, broad application in this, like you know anything that has to do with theft or anything that has to do with immorality. So you wouldn't, excuse me, a woman wouldn't be a prostitute to earn money to give to missions. You wouldn't do that. So. Yeah that's an obvious situation so you wouldn't do anything illegal unethical uh, anything like that if a believer's in that kind of a situation then it's time to uh, to trust in the lord for a different career and to get training and to search ways to get out of that um, as soon as possible yeah so good i've heard people um over the years justify that in their mind by think by by saying uh well i really feel like the lord put me there so that i can be the change or be the catalyst and and and, and you know and, and i've heard that you know people say that when they're involved with unbiblical churches as well what, what are your thoughts on that eric yeah that's interesting and i don't just as i was giving my answer to the last one i thought oh boy this could get me in trouble here. Um, there, there are people I know in executive roles in Fortune 100 companies that if I were to say the names right now, you could say, how could a believer work in that? Hmm. And and I know one particular individual that's in the entertainment industry, and I asked him that very question just out of curiosity about how he deals with it himself. Master's seminar, excuse me, master's college graduate, and he says, you know what? He says, there are no other Christian voices hmm. um, in, in his role in his corporation, a multi-billion dollar company with millions, probably millions of employees. And he says, you know what, oftentimes the leadership team, the C-level leadership team comes to him and asks him how the Christian world would view whatever decisions they're going to make. And he has opportunities to sway their decisions, to to think about things in a way that is wholesome. Mm. Uh, may I say even, even say godly, biblical. Yeah. And so he's in a great position to, to shape um, a company that uh, is perceived um, by many in the in the Christian world as uh, selling out to the truth, and so he's there to be that voice of biblical reason. Yeah, really good. I was listening to you this afternoon teach um, from Luke sixteen, and you made a, a really good point. I'm hoping that you can remember what you said and, and and draw it out a little bit in this interview right now. You said, "When we make a, a mistake at work, we have this unique opportunity for a gospel moment." And then to show our humility. Can you remember what you said about that, Eric? Yeah, you know, that's that's not common in our world. In our world, it's it's easier to run from our mistake or mm. to blame shift on somebody else. Mm. Even though that was Luke 16, I, I may have cross-referenced Psalm 15. I would challenge your readers to look at Psalm 15, who gets to be in God's presence. Yeah. And he talks about people of integrity. And so when you, when you sin or you... Uh, when you make a mistake, um, there's nothing more effective than in front of your peers admitting uh, that you made a mistake and apologizing for it. I, I remember just coming to mind right now, I remember a boneheaded thing I said to my boss in the presence of my peers, and my heart was grieved over a decision that the company had made, and I, and I said something that was completely inappropriate. 
and it grieved me for the next day. And I called him on the phone and I asked his forgiveness. Now this is not a believer. Yeah. And I just said, I'm really sorry. And I was shaken by it that I had done this stupid thing. And, uh, you know, he was so accommodating and so gracious, he could have ripped my head off, you know, Mm. but just so gracious. And he just said, don't, yeah, he says, don't, don't hurt your career by doing stupid things like that. I said, I just said, thank you. You know what? You're right. You're right. I, I felt so bad. I'm I'm about teared up right now. I remember it so well. Mm. More and more, we're moving towards a culture that is intolerant of the Bible and the truths it holds. How should Christians deal with the gender issue within their workplace? Yeah, yeah, that's a topic that comes up frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was in uh, on the management team um, at FedEx, even not on the management team, I you know I had to take legal courses and all kinds of stuff, internal courses, and mm-hmm. and I remember thinking through that. And back in in those days, ten, fifteen years ago, it was easy enough just to say, well. I'm not going to support that. I'm just not going to say anything about it. I'm not going to, you know, come out and say I'm fighting against it. I'm just not going to, you know, go out and be in favor of it. But what's happening now, even up to about five years ago, is that some believers or people in management are not only having to teach their workforce, their, their direct reports on how to deal with these issues. It's one thing to teach it, but it's another thing to come by and affirm it. Well, as a believer, in Christ, if, if we are those who have embraced Christ and we, uh, we embrace the authority of the scriptures, the inerrancy of the word, we cannot stand in front of unbelievers and in any way um, uh, acknowledge um, any approval of, of sin at all, much less the sin you're talking about here. What I, what I tell younger people is that with scriptural here is you're – we're coming into a time when, when believers are held to a greater account and anything we say or do is going to be held against us. And so it's extremely important that you not have other things that can keep you from answering uh, a question like that. So I, I tell younger men and women, do everything you can not to have debt, have your cars paid off, uh, try to get your home paid off. That That may be impossible in some circles. I'm not I'm trying to paint a picture that everybody has to do this, but do your best to live within your means, not to have credit card debt. And here's why. When you're called to account to give a reason for the hope that's within you, First Peter 3.15, mm-hmm. and you have an allegiance to your bills yeah. or whatever, um, you can, with integrity, answer and stand and be bold and courageous, just like Joshua was told to be bold and courageous in Joshua 1. Not bold and courageous just to take the land, but... But if you read the text clearly in Joshua 1, it's to be bold and courageous because of God's word. Depend on his word and God will, uh, he will take care of us, even if that means we get fired or lose our job. That's a conversation for another time, I'm sure. What advice would you have for somebody that has a secular job but also wants to train for ministry? Yeah, I would say, um, and what I've preached on is... Be very certain, be very certain, because God uses believers in every nook and cranny and every vocational position that he has created us to serve and to rep- and, and to and to be those who are uh, living for his glory, even in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So to really do some soul searching and 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 if you're convinced that the Lord is moving you into 
uh, ministry beyond that of the marketplace, for instance, in a local church, don't do so without the affirmation of the church elders and the pastors that acknowledge your your giftedness in that regard. Don't don't just leave your career and decide I'm going to seminary so that I can preach one day. Uh, look, if, if if the leadership in your church hasn't acknowledged that you have gifts of teaching or any other gift for that matter that you would serve, um, it's not time to leave your career. It's it's time when when the Lord uses godly people in your life to tell you, uh, hey, I, I think this is a good idea. This is a good direction. You got to move in that direction. Then I would affirm. I would affirm that. Yeah, so good. I've heard you speak so well before as well, Eric. In in this assumption sometimes that people can have that. Oh, I've got a secular job, so you know I'm not I'm not as Christian as you because you're teaching or you know you're a pastor. Uh, speak into that situation for us, Eric. Sure. Um, the first thing that enters my mind is Psalm 15 again. I mentioned that a moment ago. Yeah. Um, in Psalm 15, King David asks the question, Lord, who who can stand in your presence? Lord, who can enter your holy tent? Mm-hmm. And and then he, he takes the rest of Psalm 15, which is really five verses, and he talks about what I believe are really appropriate um, applicable ideas right in the marketplace. And, um, and he talks about integrity. He talks about finances. He, he talks about how to treat the poor. Um, he talks about loaning, uh, not charging interest to the poor. And he was talking to Israel there. So it's okay to charge interest, but back in, in the nation of Israel, it was not okay to charge interest to a poor person who could not yeah. pay that interest back. And so you had to be willing to give up the money, but to take care of them. Uh, that's why I mentioned Psalm 15 is, is God wants you to live a life that is sold out for him in the presence of believers and unbelievers and glorify him so that you can be in his presence. Yeah. Uh, David asked that question because I'm convinced. I think he asked that question. Who can, who can be in your presence? Mm-hmm. Who can, who can even approach your holy hill? Um, he knew something about God telling Moses, don't even let the people touch the mountain. Yeah. Well, if you can't even touch the mountain, how can you be in God's presence? And so I, I sincerely believe with all my heart that if you spend some time in Psalm 15, pray through that, you will see some ways that you can be a ministry in the lives of people that pastors, uh, those who exposit the word that, that David, you highlight so graciously on your website, mm-hmm. they'll never reach. Yeah. God has uniquely gifted you to reach people in your pocket of the world, no matter what you're doing, whether you're um, you're digging ditches or you're a banker or you're selling cars or you're a police officer or you're an attorney or a doctor, baseball player, football player, however it is you draw your income, God has you there to be a light for him in the lives, in the lives of others. That's so good. They're, they're taking the gospel to the people that wouldn't walk into a church building on a Sunday morning, right? That's right. That's right. God is, as you know, as we read so clearly throughout the Bible, but specifically in passages like First Corinthians twelve through fourteen, we're we're each individuals were gifted to do, to serve in some way that um, that that advances the truth of the gospel. Um, not everybody is a head of the body. Not everybody is a hand. But uh, the body doesn't function without the head and the hand appropriately. So we all need to serve Christ in the way that he has gifted us to yeah. advance his purposes. Yeah. How did you first get involved with the TMAI? You know, my, my first involvement with TMAI was many years ago um, as I came out of the corporate world and I was in seminary and there was only a part-time employee at TMAI at the time who was um, 
who did a very good job of, of keeping a track of the finances and calling people to thank them for their help. Um, and so I was called in by the board, by the president um, of the organization, Mark Tantlock, and he really wanted me to help him think through how to position TMEI for the next several years. And so I, I presented some ideas to the board and then, you know, I ended up moving on in my role as a pastor, rolling out as a pastor in Western Kentucky. And then over time, Mark Tatlock reached out to me and he said, um, he said, you know, we'd, we'd like to talk to you some more at TMI about some things we're doing over here. He said, I know, you know, you have a background in the corporate world. He asked me, we met for lunch. He said, would you be willing to, to come out to some of our, our conferences on vocation and, and, and preach at one of these conferences. And I said, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'd love to do it. And my response is when and where? And he said, well, where it's going to be several places around the world. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, yeah. I might need to get my elders approval. I was a pastor <laughs> at the time. And so yeah. anyway, anyway, one thing led to another, I kind of traveled all over the world teaching at these conferences and different churches and the, uh, the pastor and the elder at my, my, church in College Station, Texas, said, we think you ought to go full-time at TMEI. So you're trying to get rid of me. I said, no. He <laughs> said, we, we think you're gifted here. We think the Lord wants to use you here. And at the same time, Mark, uh, I kind of had the sense that he wanted me to come over. And so it was one of those things where it was the perfect uh, marriage uh, between the ministry I was in and, and, and TMAI where, uh, where I could, you know, use my gifts from the corporate world certainly my experience, but the giftedness that God had given me to communicate the truth to people in that world. And, and of course, to be able to, uh, to be able to have, um, God's grace and giving me, you know, a theological education and, and, and a advanced degree in expository preaching, it just kind of all, all fit together. So I'm a kid in a candy store. I'm having the time of my yeah. life right now. Yeah. What excites you about the future for TMAI? Well, you know, it's interesting you ask that because, just as you asked that, I glanced up and I looked at our core mission statement. I have it here on my desk. And yeah. what excites me about it is, is, is well, here's the statement. TMAI is committed to fulfilling the Great Commission by training indigenous church leaders to be approved pastor teachers able to equip their churches to make biblically sound disciples. Mm-hmm. So that's what excites me is is the local church on a global scale with the same thing that your church does and my church does. I go to Countryside Bible Church in South Lake, Texas, Mm -hmm. and our focus is on training up the next generation to serve the Lord and the church and training up future pastors. And that's what we want the local church on a global scale to be focused on. Uh, The Great Commission, which is multi-generational, multi um, ethnic, multinational, uh, biblical ecclesiology. Um, how does the church grow? And it grows by the clear exposition of God's word in every corner of the world. That's that's where my heart is. Yeah. How can people support you guys? Oh, wow. Well, you know, there's a lot of ways to support us. Can I talk about prayer first? We have an exciting event coming up. So we have a prayer event coming up called Together We Pray. It's a it's a week of global intercession for shepherds and saints, not just for the pastors, but for the people in their church. And so out of these um, 17 training centers around the world with our 2,000 students, expositors worldwide, mm-hmm. uh, there's some things you can do to help us in terms of prayer. You ask how you can support us. Well, prayer is a great way to do that. So 
This event that we're calling Together We Pray, a, a week of global intercession for shepherds and saints, is from July 27th to the 31st. Uh, we're still putting all the pieces together, but your listeners can visit tmai.org, yeah. Yeah. and you'll receive updates there. Uh, we're going to have a daily email that goes out that will include a special focus on Africa, Asia, Europe, Middle East, and Spanish-speaking nations. We'll have personal testimonies from TMEI students and faculty and church members of that region, and of course, uh, you know, a handful of prayer requests from the TMA schools in the region. Another thing we're doing that week on July 31st, we're really excited about, we're hoping it catches steam, is that we're doing a, a global live live like a you know an online live global prayer event at four o'clock pacific time which is california time in the united states yeah and it's a live online prayer event with tmi faculty and students from around the world and it's an opportunity to hear from these faithful servants all over the world about how to intercede for them and then there's another thing david if i could indulge you just for a moment on july 26th the 22nd for that week we're doing a church prayer day thing where uh, this is where your listeners could come in and help. We, you know, we really need their help to champion this important prayer event and their local church. Speak with your elders, your pastors, your leadership team, and, and, and let them know that we long for your church to pray with us for the world's future Bible expositors. They can join us for you know a live session for 10 to 30 minutes at their church on, on that particular Sunday. But I would say this, that for more details, they can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, the best place to find us um, is on tmai.org, mm. uh, tmai.org. And right there, um, another way you can help us, you can register for our newsletter. Uh, we're looking for people that will introduce us to other people that are passionate about the world of missions and training future expositors to reach every corner of the world. And a third way, we're looking for those who will invest in us. Um, there's a donate button. So Donate buttons are great because that, you know, you can do an instant donation, but we're working with, with people with all kinds of ways to donate, whether it's, um, you know, out of the resources from a paycheck or um, even, even you know, wills and trusts and all that. We're putting a whole package together for it. So, David, I could go on forever, but we could use your help interceding. We could use your help investing, and we could use your help in, inter in introducing us to other people who are like-minded in terms of the Great Commission. Yeah, great. Well, what I'll do, Eric, is I'll make sure that in the description below this video, we'll have all of the links to the things that you've just mentioned, and we'll do all we can in, in supporting those events by sharing those posts on Facebook, and we'll encourage the listeners to do to do the same as well. That's awesome. Eric, you have had the pleasure of working alongside John MacArthur for many years, someone that many of our listeners will love. What's your favorite John MacArthur story? Oh, um, I, you know, I, I said it earlier, probably my favorite thing that I remember about John, and I don't interact with John as much as his staff does at the Master's Seminary and yeah. um, at Grace Church. I'm, I'm based in Dallas, Texas. But with my interactions with John, my favorite interaction is that staff meeting statement that he made that I mentioned earlier that the TMEI is the world's best kept secret in world missions and my response immediately was yes pastor John but we're here to change that yeah so yeah that's that's my favorite interaction with pastor John he is a precious godly man I've I've been in his house I've, I've been a part of his family his kids may not even remember that I was one of their uh, youth pastors at Grace Community Church they're all you know grown and have kids of their own but wow. Um, I have a great love for that family and appreciate their dedication to the truth and, and Pastor John's love for 
uh, training others around the globe to have an impact on the world for the gospel. Yeah, amazing. What book or books has had the biggest impact on you growing in your faith? I, I just have to say the scripture, the Bible. Yeah. Um, and out of the Bible, probably the book of Ephesians, because mm-hmm. it has meant so much. But there are certainly other books um, that have had a great impact. And I'm more of a theological kind of guy. So, you know, I think in terms of, of commentaries and um, and boring stuff like, um, you know, like dictionaries and, and lexicons and yeah. languages. And so I'm not sure that would be much help. <laughs> but I will say this in terms of in terms of my study in in the topic of vocation, I have a couple of favorite books. One of them I, I've mentioned is Dan Dorian, uh, his book on work. Oh, yeah. But there's another one I find even more helpful, and it's uh, by Sebastian Treger, and it's his work, uh, a, a book on work as well. And for the life of me, I just, again, during the headlights, I'm not even think of the, the, the title of it, but anyway, Sebastian Treger wrote a book on work that I think is probably uh, the best out there right now. If, you, if you're interested in that topic, look up Sebastian Traeger. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and that's the book that he done with uh, Greg Gilbert, right? The Gospel at Work. Yes. Yeah. Same book. Yeah, yeah. My, my favorite work on the topic, um, it's not too expansive, but it is uh, very good. Uh, Sebastian is a businessman and Greg Gilbert is a pastor. And so they've got both worlds of theologically sound, applicable and real world experience. Yeah, Awesome. Eric, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed speaking to you today. Well, you too, David. What an honor to, to be with you. And thank you for an invitation to be a part of your ministry. And we'll be sure to, uh, to advance your cause wherever we can help you in any way possible. So thank you for your time. Oh, thank you so much. Eric, I know that you're on um, Twitter yourself as well. What's your handle? At Eric Weathers. Excellent. E-R-I-C-W-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. I'm, I'm finding greater interest in in Parlor. So I also joined Parlor recently. At So that's, uh, I guess they pronounce it Parlay, but so Parlor is the new competitor to Twitter where a lot of conservative or Christians are going because we seem to find ourselves, you know, stifled <laughs> and, and silenced. And so many of the uh, believers are running over there for now. So. Oh, but we'll put your link to your your you're the first to say that. So you're 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 very ahead of your game there, Eric. We'll put the link to your Pilar account in the in the description below as well. Thanks again for your time, okay. Eric. We'll speak again soon. Oh yes, my friend. Thank you for your time. God bless.